I want to turn in the scriptures to the book of Galatians, please. Galatians chapter 2. Galatians chapter 2 and verse number 20. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I want you to notice that, just that last part of the verse. The life which I now live in the flesh, I live. By faith in the Son of God, or the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. And we look to God for his blessing upon his word. I want you to notice in the text that we have just read that Paul identifies almost immediately that there has been a change in his life. He says, the life which I now live. The life which I now live. And so Paul makes it clear that the life he is presently living is not the life he has always lived. There has been a great change. I maybe we just should say, if you say you're a Christian, there should be a change in your life too. If there's been a time in life when you became a Christian, when you were saved, then there will be a time when your life will have changed radically. Now, it wasn't you changing your life that made you a Christian. But the very moment someone becomes a Christian, God changes their life. Their life has changed. But you know, Paul could tell you about the life which he, he used to live he could speak about a life where he was religious and devout. A life where he did his best. A life where he followed his, the religion of his fathers devoutly and rigorously. We could almost say faithfully. But he says now it's all different. He says the life which I now live is different. You say, what made the difference to this man? What made the difference to Paul's life? Actually, he was so devout. He spoke against the Christians. His activities often resulted in their death. He absolutely hated the name of Jesus Christ. The name of Jesus Christ he despised. The Christians he tried to put to death and put to death. You say, what, what sort of a change? He becomes a Christian. The one that hated Christ loves Christ. The one that, the one that didn't even want Jesus Christ to be named. He's declaring the name of Jesus Christ. What a change. And you say, what is it that made the change? It was Jesus Christ that made the change. He says, 
the life which I now live, it's because of Jesus Christ. You know, your life, your life would need a change. I don't know whether you live in religiosity, thinking you're all right in the sight of God, or regularity, thinking that coming to meetings will somehow bring you closer to heaven. Or whether your life is a life that is wrecked with sin. And you're just absorbed by sin and sin absorbs you. But no matter which of those categories you're in, my dear friend, you need Christ. You need, there's nothing more in, I, I, I know, I know you might think that it's important to make the farm a little bigger and to have bigger friendship groups. And I, I, maybe you want more, more people to like you on Facebook. And, and there's so many things that you might think are important. But I speak kindly. There's absolutely nothing more important for you than getting Christ as your Savior. He's your only hope for eternity. You see, before Paul had this great change in his life, where he moved from a place of hating Christ to loving Christ, adoring Christ, preaching Christ, before the change took place that we'll consider later, he was on his way to hell. That's a good thing for us just to come to terms with and to grasp. If we've never had our sins forgiven, if we've never been seen, we're on our way to hell. And just as death is not the end, hell is not the end. We live in a world where there are people that would propagate religious ideas where if you die and you're not right with God, you just go out of existence. Now you remember now, you'd be somewhere forever. That's why this message is so important. You won't just go out of existence. You'll be somewhere forever. And uh, those who die not forgiven, not saved, they'll be in hell. But you remember that's not the end because the Bible speaks about a day when the dead, small and great, stand before God. The dead are raised. Those that are in hell are raised to stand before God. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life, you read it in your own Bible. Don't just take my word for it. Read it in your own Bible. Whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. You can see why this change was vital. The life that he had was taking him down to hell. And what he needed was the life to live in heaven. He needed new life. He needed spiritual life. And he got it. And when he got the life to live in heaven, it meant he would never be under the punishment of God for his own sins. But he would enjoy the splendor of heaven forevermore. You know, sometimes we spend so much time warning you dear folk about hell, but we hardly tell you about heaven. You know, Paul's in heaven today. He's in heaven. He's enjoying pleasures at God's right hand, and they will forevermore. What a delight. Dear one, it's not just that you need to escape hell, and you do, and you do, mind you, but I want you to think of a place a place of cloudless day. Plenty of clouds here. 
in this world. Nearly in every circumstance of life, there's some sort of little cloud comes in. Some sort of difficulty comes into our, our circumstances. And it, even in the very best and brightest days of our lives, there's, there's a little cloud lurking in the background. In the land of fadeless day lies a city four square. And there's a place of absolute delight. There'll not be a sin or a fault nor a flaw that'll corrupt the wonder and the glory of heaven, dear one. But I wonder, will you be there? Will you be there? Paul's there. Because he no, long, no longer lived the life he once lived. But because of Jesus Christ, he speaks about the life that he now lives. And the life that he now lives is a life with Christ, in Christ. And now he's in heaven with the Savior. Now, as I think about this, I want to just move on. This text says, the life which I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God. He's the one that made the difference for Paul. Notice, even though he hated Christ, it's still Christ that has made the difference. Even though he previously had known time for Christ, it's Christ that made the difference. Sometimes whelming up within people's hearts, because we are sinners by nature, and it affects our mind as well as the things we do, people have whelming up within them a, a dislike and a hatred for God, and a hatred for the things of God, and a dislike for the Son of God. Now I speak kindly, but now you'll have to bow your heart because it's Jesus Christ that will be able to make the difference for you. He's the one that can cleanse your sin and the only one. He's the one that can take you safe to heaven when life has passed, and he's the only one that can. The Lord Jesus Christ. Well, as we think about him, the Son of God, we can think about his identity. Who is he? Well, he is just that, the Son of God, the eternal one, the creator of the universe, the one that spoke the world into existence. We can think of him as the Savior. That's why he made the difference for Paul. 1 Timothy 1.15 says, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. He's the Savior. He's the one that could save you today. Save you from the sins of your past. And save you from the consequences of your sin, the punishment that is coming your way. And save you to enjoy that place of bliss that we've been speaking about. That, that heaven, the wonderful place. But he's not only the Savior, but he wasn't an afterthought. We could think of him as the Messiah. The Messiah. You see, God had promised a Savior would come. And he came. I think the last time I was here, I maybe emphasized the reliability of the Word of God. Just the very fact that God would make the promise of a Messiah that would come time and time again in the Old Testament of Scripture. And he came just as God promised he would. It just brings us great confidence in this book. But you see, dear one, he is the mediator. The Son of God is the mediator. The one that can go between. The one that can bring us back to God. The reason Paul was able to speak about the life which I now live, it was because of the one that had went to the cross, the one mediator. 
Now what do we read in Timothy again? There is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all. And that's the very reason he can bring us back to himself. He's the one from heaven. Actually, it's good for us to think of that, just the fact that as the scripture speaks about the Son of God, it's also speaking about a man. A man. He's from heaven. That means he came down and he came in. That's what First Timothy 1 said. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. But that is something that is emphasized again and again, just I was reading today over in chapter 4, was it of Galatians there, maybe chapter 5, and we read of how that when the fullness of the time has come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law. Marvelous to think. God's son would be born of a woman. And you might ask the question, why would that be the case? Well, we needed someone to take our sins away. We needed someone without sin to die for our sins. We needed one that had absolutely no guilt of their own to take our place. And there was none on earth to be found. Isn't that what the verdict says in Romans 3? There is none that doeth good, no, not one. For all of sin come short of the standard of God. All guilty. But God in love, he sends his son. And the son of God in love, he comes. He came into the world. And when the fullness of the time has come, God sent forth his son. I want to move on just from his identity, who he is. And I want to think for a moment or two about his activity in this verse. There are two statements about the Lord Jesus. It says the son of God loved. The Son of God gave. And I want to just take a moment or two to hang a few thoughts around these two words. That the Son of God loved me. And the Son of God gave himself for me. As we think of the fact that this verse states, the Son of God loved me. We want to think just for a moment about who he's speaking about. Who did he love? Well, you say, well, clearly it was Paul he loved. Paul said he loved me. That's right. He certainly loved Paul. Paul could speak about how that he was the chief of sinners. The chief of sinners was loved by God. You know, if we were to come a little closer to John's Gospel, chapter 3, we'd discover that it wasn't just Paul that was loved. But indeed it was the world that was loved. God so loved the world. And so that shows me very clearly that for every individual around the streets in Ballyclare and around this car park just now, you are loved by God. Oh, I don't know who else you've fallen out with in life or fallen in with in life. I don't know what your personal circumstances are. But I can assure you that you are loved by God. And we can take it from the scriptures that the Son of God loves you. Loved. 
But you know, an important thing to realize as we think of that is just the fact that we didn't deserve to be loved. Sometimes nearly people almost puff out their chest as if they deserve to be loved by God. You know, God didn't love us because we were good. God loved us in spite of the fact that we're not good. God loves us in spite of the fact that we're sinners and we're guilty. You say, why is that? Because God is love. That is God's character. I know the world in which we live would portray God as hard and harsh and heavy-handed. But dear one, the cross of Calvary and the Son of God in this world is a clear indication and a display for any willing to search that God is love. God's character is love. He loves. And it says, the Son of God, love me. What's the result of such a love? What's the result of any love? You know, you hear someone talking about how much, how much they love something or love somebody. You wait to see, are there any results? child claims to love their parents but never listens or obeys them you, you realize the love's not as big as it talks fella says he loves a girl but he's never willing to marry her 20 or 30 years later you wonder does he, does he love her you say how do we know God loved us God so loved the world result that he gave, he gave, he gave his only begotten son, the son of God who loved me. I know he loves me. How do I know he loved me? He gave himself for me. He could give no more. He gave himself. You can never give any more than yourself. And the Son of God not only loved you, but he gave himself that you might be forgiven. Maybe I should just pause for a moment and ask the question, why did he need to give himself? Why did anyone need to be given? Did we need him to be given for us, really? Well, I think it was back in uh, 1911, today by date, the 21st of August, that the painting of the Mona Lisa was stolen. Very, very valuable picture, painting. And the special thing about the painting is that no matter where you go in the room, the, the eyes are meant to follow you. I think it was a Leonardo da Vinci painting. And it was stolen on this date. But you know, it actually wasn't until the next day, the 22nd, that a painter discovered that it was gone. Sometime later it was recovered. But you know, it wasn't until they discovered the painting was lost on the 22nd that they began to look for it. 
It wasn't until they discovered it's gone that they started the quest. Now I want to speak kindly. Until you dear folk realize you're lost, there's no hope of recovery. Until you folk realize I'm without Christ and I need him, my sins deserve eternal wrath. Until you grasp you're lost, there'll be no hope of salvation. But for anyone that's gathered here realizing my sin is real, my sin is a barrier to heaven, I need my sins forgiven, I'm glad to be able to tell you the Son of God loved you and gave himself that you might be forgiven. You see, what did it mean? What did it mean to to give himself? Well, it meant Bethlehem, the one that was the eternal son of God to be born of the virgin's womb. It meant Nazareth when he gave himself to walk the streets of Nazareth, that despised city. Can any good thing come out of Nazareth? And yet amidst Nazareth, there wasn't as much as a fault or a flaw to be found in the Lord Jesus. Very important if he's going to die for my sins on the cross. Not a fault in him. It meant Jerusalem, where he was despised and rejected of men, man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, where he would be mocked and taunted, where they would put that crown of mockery upon his blessed head, where they would cry away with this man, we will not have this man to reign over us, just like you folk are crying today if you're not saved. Oh, you say, Paul, I'm not crying that. I'm not crying away with him. Well, you're certainly refusing him. Paul preached in Acts 17, God commandeth all men everywhere to repent. And if you're not saved, dear one, if you're not forgiven, you're just saying no to the word of God and no to the Son of God that loved you and gave himself for you. It meant Calvary. All the, the loneliness of Calvary, where there the Lord Jesus was nailed by his hands and by his feet. In those hours of daylight, he hung on the tree. In the hours of darkness, he hung on the cross. Also, there the Lord led on him the iniquity of us all. Many have sung in recent days, the one who made the light, he hung abandoned in the night. And the one that made the rivers cried, I thirst. You say, why? Because he loved us. He loved us. God is love. And he gave himself for us. Actually, you might ask the question, how, how, Paul, does this all make a difference? You're telling me that Paul had a change in his life and he needed it. The change is because of Jesus Christ, but, but how, how could I have this change? How could I move from the place of in my sins to my sins forgiven? Move from the old life to the new life. 
How could I get this life to live in heaven? Well, Paul says it's by faith. That's how Paul got it. He says, by faith in the Son of God, the life which I now live. You say how? By faith in the Son of God. That's it, dear one. Oh, because the Son of God loved him, and because the Son of God had given himself for him on the cross, he says, the change came because I put my faith in him. Faith in Christ will save you. Sinner, trust God's risen Son. Trust the work that he has done. Faith in Christ will save you. I wonder would there be someone this afternoon in Ballyclare willing to bow their heart. Maybe that's the most difficult point. To bow their heart and acknowledge, I need salvation. To bow their heart and acknowledge, I can't get to heaven on my own steam. And trust the wonderful man of Calvary, the one who died, that you might be forgiven. I'm finished. I'll just finish with this. Maybe that means I'm not finished. We were having meetings just before COVID. There was a young lad at the meetings wanted to be saved. And his mother turned him up a hymn in the hymn book. And he was reading through these words that I'm just about to read now. And he trusted Christ. And he came to his mother. He says, I haven't. She says, how do you know you haven't? And he quoted these words that I'm going to quote as I finish. And I just say this. If you're not saved, you can be saved before you leave the car park by trusting Christ. Enough for me that Jesus saves. This ends my fear and doubt. A sinful soul, I'll come to him. He'll never cast me out. I need no other argument. I need no other plea. It is enough that Jesus died, that he died for me. Shall we pray? Father, we bow again in the precious name of the Lord Jesus. We give thanks for thy word. We give thanks that our heart can lead upon the word, the written word of God. And we give thanks that it tells of the word of God in person here on earth. We give thanks for his coming. We give thanks for his cross. And we give thanks for the one that is seated at thy right hand, exalted, glorified. And we give thanks that someday soon he's coming back again. Just as we think of all that are gathered now, we pray that they may be encouraged from thy word. And for those who are not saved, we desire that they might bow their heart and trust thy son before it is forever too late. And so to this end we pray, giving thanks that it is thy desire to bless and to save also. In the name of the Lord Jesus, amen. Thank you for your kind attention to the word of God again. Remember the meeting next Sunday, same time, 5 p.m., and you'll certainly be very welcome then also. Thank you.